Kelsey. And it's time to hate watch with us. Nailed it! (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to our show where we professionally say these words into microphones for you to listen to. Welcome. Welcome. What are you (laughs) drinking tonight, Kelsey? I am drinking Chardonnay. What about you? I am drinking a Switchback. Putting in my plug for Vermont beers. Hashtag drink Vermont beer. You can leave. (laughs) (laughs) This is not a podcast where we say hashtag on the air. No. Hashtag hate watch with us. Hashtag Kirstie is a millennial. Hashtag I want to die. Anyway, (laughs) moving on from that. (laughs) Hashtag, what's your favorite hashtag? Are you done? Um, No. (laughs) This is now a thing, just so you know. No. Um, What do we got today? Today we've got a questionable choice that we've made. (laughs) (laughs) That we both made. We both willingly made this questionable choice. (laughs) We both made a mistake. Maybe. (laughs) Um, Somehow, when we were planning episodes of this show, we discovered that American Girl, like the dolls, created a series of TV movies. And so we each watched our respective dolls TV movie this week. It originated from an article that was titled something along the lines of which American Girl doll is the betchiest. Which is my favorite article of all time. Which actually um, was predated by a borderline red alert that you sent me of American Girl's announcement that they now have a male doll. Logan. Yes, Logan the doll. Yeah, it is Logan. Logan. (laughs) I couldn't remember. I had initially cast my guess vote, I don't know, for it to be Oliver, and it was so close that I actually had a moment where I couldn't remember what it was called. (laughs) (laughs) You're just too good at American person dolls. I'm just always right. I guess that's like a branding question, is are they going to become gender neutral? Like, and I don't mean that mockingly, but like, genuinely, are they going to continue to call themselves American Girl if they're also going to have boy dolls? I mean, that's probably something they should have thought about before they released a boy doll (laughs) i'm not anti-american boy dolls i'm just curious for the larger parent company mattel anyway this is off track (laughs) um so is logan gonna be anatomically correct oh boy oh boy Um, so, as Kelsey said before, that... Smooth it over um, that one, all right. <laughs> we're just gonna keep, keep going. Uh, just, uh, um, we watched each other's respective dolls, so Kelsey, what dolls did you have? I, well, before I answer that question, I'm just gonna say one thing. <laughs> you can tell a lot about a person by what doll they had specifically, like, their primary doll, if they had more than one. Um, more on this in that Which American Girl Doll is the Betchiest article. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of insights. You'll learn a lot. Um, we'll put the link in the description. We will. So I had Kirsten and Felicity. And my primary... I this moment where you said Kirsten, and I was like, what? Welcome to the hellscape that is having a K name after being born in the 90s. Continue. Aww. 
Um, so Kirsten was my primary doll, if you need to know that insight about who I am as a person. Yep. My favorite line from the Kirsten segment of the Betches article is that Kirsten likes hard work. Work isn't cute. <laughs> or something along those lines. Um, I had Samantha. And uh, that was driven by two things. One, I'm a nerd, uh, which may be shocking. And uh, at the time that I was old enough to have an American Girl doll, I was super into um, the Titanic. And I don't mean the Leonardo DiCaprio movie because that one actually scared the shit out of me. Uh, What I mean is that at any given time in my childhood, I would pick one thing to read a lot of books about. And during that time, it was the Titanic, which then turned into a historical... Wow, historical <laughs> obsession with that period of time in the world. Uh, the period of time that Samantha lived, which is like Victorian times or some shit. I don't know. So, and also it was driven by the fact that Samantha was the only doll at the time that looked like me. And uh, as as a narcissist, like most children, that was important. That's fair. Yeah. All children are narcissists. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> so... Um, do you want to tell us about your movie or just enlighten me on what you watched yesterday? Yes. So they don't have, uh, Kirsten, Kirsten, Kristen, Kirsten, Kirsten. Uh, they don't have a movie for her, which is unfortunate because I was really looking forward to hearing the song of your people. Right. Um, so instead I had to watch the Felicity movie. Now, I used to know some things about American Girl dolls that I have since forgotten, so I had no idea, like, what period of the world I was stepping into. You did uh, it? I didn't. I forgot. Oh. Even though you and I just talked about it, like, a week ago, I still forgot. Okay. Um, so if there are any of you out there who are as educated as I am, um, Felicity is in colonial... Jamestown? Williamsburg. Williamsburg? She's in one of those three. Um, no, that's the one. And, yeah. <laughs> are you are you questioning my knowledge about the American Girl doll history? <laughs> no, I'm just saying that they were all the same. No. And they're like a 10-minute drive from each other in today's modern times, so I don't care. <laughs> um, <laughs> history, my <laughs> Um, I will have you know, all of you, uh, and this is relevant, that I am halfway through the autobiography of Alexander Hamilton, so I'm basically a scholar. And on that note, <laughs> she lived in one of the Ignoring ones. that one. <laughs> she lived in one of those colonial towns. And um, the the broad premise of her life is that she's born into the merchant class. Um, her father is a shopkeeper. It's like on the verge of the revolution, it's like 1775. Um, And she has, she's like 10 years old and her family wants her to grow up to be like a suitable wife, basically because of the political nature of the times. Um, And Felicity likes horses instead, which prompted me to ask this question to you, Kelsey. Okay. Kelsey, you don't, (laughs) like horses so why are you fucking around with felicity i you're right i don't like horses (laughs) like at all 
I'd like to remind you that she was not my primary doll. She was my secondary doll. <laughs> and second of all, like you were interested in the Titanic, <laughs> I was interested in colonial times. <laughs> I don't want to tell you that I think I was Felicity for Halloween one year, but it's entirely possible that I was Felicity for Halloween one year. Oh my god, in today's edition, if we almost lead the same lives. Right. Although, I will have it known that I never won a Samantha for Halloween. So. You said um, that's such a Samantha voice, though. <laughs> oh. Wasn't she rated as the betchiest of them all? Yeah. Yeah, so there you go. Alright, it's Felicity time, though. So it's Felicity time. We'll get to Samantha. Calm down. So, um... Felicity's movie opens with uh, a title screen that looks like it was made in Microsoft Paint by an intern and then imported into, like, some 1995 edition of Pro Tools. Promising. Um, And then it, like, zooms. So it's, like, the cover from a book, I'm assuming, just the picture. And then it, like, zooms in to, like, it actually being the film. Wait, mine did that, too! Yeah! I don't like it. No. That's not a visual effect that works for me. It is a cheeseball um, effect. Yeah, it just doesn't feel right. It's like uh, it's like walking into like the mirror universe or some shit. I don't mm-hmm. know. So then there's like a two minute open of her just like riding this white horse through a field. Um, <laughs> and then she eventually like ends up in Williamsburg. And was uh, she coming from Jamestown? <laughs> Probably. Well, I almost said Johannesburg at first, so that is I'm not wrong. on the right continent. <laughs> um, so the first set of notes that I took um, starts with, and this is all, so keep in mind, this whole next segment is going to be within the first two minutes, right up until my pace check that says two minutes and I'm shit hammered on my new rule. <laughs> um, that's your bookend. So... Uh, I wrote, I love all morality lessons about womanhood and housewifery, followed by, so colonial, so proper, so elite, so British, so manners. (laughs) (laughs) So this was approximately in the first three seconds after she gets the fuck off of her horse in the middle of Johannesburg. Uh, Not Johannesburg. (laughs) I'm just leading into it. So then... The next note says, new rule, drink twice for every curtsy, pace check, two minutes, and I'm shit hammered on my new rule. (laughs) (laughs) That's a fun rule. Yep, so that's where we're at. Um, It was followed by the observation that, like, all old-timey things have these long openings where it's like a revolving door of introductions, and the whole point is to prove that it was like a time of manners and propriety. Right. You notice that? Mm-hmm. So this was like very much leaning into it. It's Felicity's 10th birthday, and now she is coming of age as a woman, and like she's going to be sent to propriety lessons. Um, her mother says multiple times that she wants her to grow up to be a housewife of note, which like I'm not really sure what exactly that means, but... You know, she has to go to lessons for it. Isn't that what you want to be? I have always wanted to be a housewife of note. <laughs> Although, it's I every am- girl's dream. <laughs> I am making fun of it, but 
I did take a minute in the middle to uh, take an attempt at taking this seriously as like an instructional text for young girls. And I had some thoughts on the matter, but we'll get there. Um, One thing that I thought they did an all right job at is the historical context, um, which is funny because you just sent me a job posting for their historical researchers. And I got to say, like, those people do an all right job. They, like, spent a lot of time building the context of the the beginnings of the Revolutionary War and the tension between the Patriots and the Loyalists and, like, how that tore communities apart and, like, really fucked shit up for people who had any loyalty to the king. And, I mean, all of that ended up being very important in Alexander Hamilton's life, as you'll learn by reading the autobiography. Fuck off. <laughs> um... So they did, like, a good job of contextualizing that. Um, I, I don't know. I've got some notes on structural flaws. I've got some notes on uh, feminism and gender performance. I've got some notes on uh, horses. Where do you want me to go? <laughs> wow. <laughs> I took two and a half pages of typed notes. So, Oh, typed? Yeah. Oh, Wow. Yeah. I thought it was good with my um, two pages handwritten, but all right. No, no, no. I made a point of telling you typed. All right, if you say so. Um, so I guess I'll start with a couple props that yeah. I wrote down. Um, so I wanted to give American Girl doll props for historical context, which I already said, um, exploration of gender norms, social commentary, and um, I... I very much felt like they only oversimplified the story for the sake of time and format, as opposed to the trap that most children's media falls into of oversimplifying the story for the sake of what they think a child's developmental capacity is. Um, Which, so like, what I mean by that is they didn't dumb it down as if children couldn't handle the, like, ideas being thrown around. Um, Right. made it developmentally appropriate for eight-year-olds to consume it. Um, But the only reason why the story was weak was really for the sake of the time and the format. Wasn't there, like, a drunk old man in in those books, There was a drunk old man. There was a drunk old man. There was a bunch of animal abuse. Oh, wow. Um, Some people went to prison. There... What else was there? Yeah, there's some good stuff in there. There's a lot of animal abuse. That'll happen in Johannesburg. In Johannesburg. So... Uh, going back to premise, I guess, uh, this is where I saw the biggest structural flaw. So there's this whole point in the front half of the movie where the drunk old man has this beautiful horse. And of course, you know that Felicity loves horses, but isn't supposed to ride horses because gentlewomen things. And the horse is like really spirited and he's really abusive towards the horse. And, but Felicity knows that she could tame the horse. Um, and so she starts sneaking out of her house every day before dawn to go and the win the horse's trust, and then during like the day... Like any she, 10-year-old would. Like any 10-year-old. Um, and then she goes to her lessons and, like, is a gentlewoman during the day. And then the second half of it is more about um, this big fancy ball that she gets invited to because she's apparently grown into a housewife of note. Um, her mother gives birth to a baby and then becomes really sick, and Felicity has to take over the household. Um, and then there's like a whole thing with the, uh, her father's apprentice wanting to become a soldier. Oh yeah. What was his name? 
Ben. Yeah, he was a thing. Yeah, there's also, like, a weird romance between the two of them. Yeah. And at one point, because he's, like, 15 and she's, like, 10, and I know that this is, like, colonial Jamestown, and so statutory rape wasn't really a thing. But I did write, like, even though this is verging on statutory rape territory, I still ship it. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So to me, the biggest structural flaw of this children's movie um, is that I didn't feel like they could really decide at any given point, like, toy. (laughs) (laughs) Any given point. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Um, It felt like they couldn't decide at any given point what, like, the real, like, moral lesson was going to be. So I felt like there was supposed to be a lesson around the horse, but I don't think they ever really made the point. Um, There was clearly a big political lesson around the loyalist versus patriot thing. Like, she has two – she has a friend – in town and the friend's family are loyalists and so then there's all this drama where like their father forbids them from speaking to her and her family because her father has stopped selling tea in the shop and you know yeah colonial drama um and then like her mom drops this pearl of wisdom about how she felicity has to decide for herself which side she's on and then felicity like vomits that back in the shop to this girl that she's friends with. And it's like a moment of pride. So there was like a political point. There's also a bunch of shit around her grandfather and like he, he dies. And I felt like there was supposed to be a moral argument there. And then like, there's a moral argument around her having to pick up the responsibility of the household. And there was just like a lot happening. And I don't, they kept having these didactic scenes, but it's not like they had one overall lesson. So is that because they were squeezing in all the books into one movie? Because I feel oh, like- Oh, is that the structure? It was for mine, and each book had, like, a lesson to it. So I'm wondering mm-hmm. if by jumping from one to another, they were just- That's why it seems all over the place. That could be, and I didn't know that going into this. I, I wondered, but I didn't know it for sure. You didn't read the books? I think I might have read, like, one of Samantha's, but I don't remember- Right, that's fair. So how is the costuming? Oh, the costuming is, like, really great. Um, And I'm only kind of being half sarcastic. The one piece of costumery words that I had an issue with um, is her ball gown. The blue dress? Yeah. I loved that blue dress. And it has black lace on it. I hated it even looking at it in the catalog when I was a kid. Really? Well, you know how I feel about navy blue. I guess Which, so. like, this dress is basically navy blue. And it's blue and black, which, like, blue and black just don't go. So the one I had, and it's, I had a bunch of, like, homemade versions of the dresses, too, that you could buy all the sewing patterns and my grandma would make them. So I never know which ones were real and which ones weren't. But the one I had had, like, the lace part for, like, the chestal area. <laughs> and then the skirt were in like you could flip them inside out and they had pink lace and they were really cool so that's why I liked it so much. Wow, that's yeah. really ambitious. So it wasn't as boring as blue and black. For what that's worth. Um the rest of her gowns were like really well made in terms of the costume themselves, but 
I'm not convinced that a 10-year-old in colonial Chicago would have been wearing, like, 17th century, like, Parisian court dresses about to her lessons. Do you just say colonial Chicago? (laughs) (laughs) Took you long enough. (laughs) I was letting you finish. You're just trolling me now. I can't stand you. (laughs) I like that you didn't figure it out the second time I said Johannesburg. (laughs) I did. (laughs) Oh, God. You are so Uh. funny. (laughs) So, so funny. Yeah, I am very funny. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a few gripes, if we're ready to get into gripes. Yeah, tell me your gripes. One one of the biggest gripes I had is that her horse is just, like, spontaneously pregnant at some point. There's no suggestion that, like, there are male horses about. Her horse is just, like, pregnant one day. <laughs> That's your gripe? <laughs> well, because I was trying to figure out where this fits into the rest of the story. And it happens, like, at the same time that her mother is, like, giving birth. And so I was like, is is it just like a woman thing because it's a female horse like are we is it just like a because lady things like did they have no other plot for female things i mean other than pregnancy it's possible that was all i could come up with i found it really obnoxious um oh small gripe but they show her father as wearing a wedding ring and i happen to know from reading an internet article two weeks ago that at that period of time men did not wear wedding rings wow a historical flaw Mm-hmm. Is this? Mm-hmm. Are we considering this your application to the American Girl historian job? <laughs> yeah, American Girl doll HR department. If you're out there, I am so ready for you. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait to read about Colonial Chicago. <laughs> oh, just wait until we go and uh, deal with her grandfather's weird subplot finding her horse in the middle of Colonial Toronto. So, at one point, she <laughs> lets her the horse go because the there's, like, drama with the old man. And she has to get the horse away from the old man somehow. So, she just lets the horse go. And her grandfather, who lives in Jamestown, I believe, it, real talk. Right. She lived in Williamsburg. And her grandfather, I think, lived in Jamestown. So, he they go to the plantation for the summer. And... He is like, come along, child, we are going to pick out horses for me. And in the field, in the pasture of the horses for sale is her horse. And I was like, how, how, how? Um, There's only two towns in America, Kirsty. <laughs> and like, I, I, I don't know. Um, in olden times, how far apart Williamsburg and Jamestown were, but with, like, roads and vehicles that can go 60 miles per hour, it's, you know, 15 minutes apart on the parkway, you know, the little interstate. And so, like, but there's enough woods in between there that how are you going to find one horse? And also, I don't know that they ever show the grandfather seeing the horse. Um, so that, But, of course, he finds the horse buys the horse she gets the horse now the horse is her horse and i wrote like (laughs) they built up this plot of her wanting this horse for the entire fucking movie her grandfather like pulls out some dark magic from his ass and finds the horse out of 
God knows where. But, like, what on earth has Felicity done to deserve this fucking horse at this point? And, like, the immense act of, like, kindness and, like, effort that went into finding the stupid thing. Like, she has done nothing at this point. She redeems herself later. um, But at this point in time, she has done nothing to deserve this horse. And she, like, said something to her grandfather. And he's like, oh, I just love you. So have a horse. Yeah, that seems to be a recurring theme. Right? Well, right. Like, she's positioned throughout the entire story so that you're supposed to assume that, like, she alone is this, like, magical force that's making colonial New York a better place and <laughs> making the people around her happier, stronger people. Like, you're supposed to see her as, like, a beam of light enlightening all those around her. And, like, she does a couple good things. Like, you know, she gets the old drunk guy out of prison. Or, no, she doesn't get him out of prison. She brings him a blanket in prison because she feels bad for him. And... She does take care of the household and, like, steps up when her mom dies. And, I mean, her mom doesn't die, but her mom died for, like, three days. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't know. Like, I know that you're supposed to like the protagonist in these stories, but I just didn't feel like she fully earned, like, the bubble of sunshine that she carries around around her in the story. Right, that's fair. Was there, like, like an entry point? That, like, you could relate to, like, as a small child if you were watching this? Yeah, there were, there was actually a lot in here um, that I would have appreciated as a small child. And I will say that I, as an adult, did not hate this as much as I should have. And I sort of came out of it feeling like I would allow my children to engage with American Girl doll content. Like, wow. Right. I've gone through my entire life assuming that there's probably something problematic in there. But ultimately, I came out of it feeling like it is at baseline less problematic than the average culture that our children are going to be raised in. And that I can handle them reading these stories and like being part of these stories, because I do think that there are some nuggets of value in here. Yeah, they're harmless. Um, Look how I turned out. Yeah. 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 So, uh, all right, vote of confidence. So, a couple of entry points. Um, the biggest one that I would have connected to as a child is that Felicity is really trying to buck social norms. She, like, the opening scene, her parents, her mom maybe, sees her riding her horse. And of course, she's sitting in like a regular saddle. And the first thing her mom says is, like, a gentlewoman does not sit astride. Meaning, like, she's old enough now that she should be sitting side saddle like a lady. Um, And that comes up again and again and again. And, like, there's this almost constant tension. It goes away in the back half of the film. But there's this tension between her and her mom because her mom just wants to raise her to be a housewife of note. And Felicity doesn't want that. She wants to do whatever the fuck she wants. Um, She doesn't like dancing. She doesn't like being proper. She doesn't like whatever she just wants to hang out with horses so i would have appreciated that as a child because i was kind of that guy i wasn't like a full-on tomboy but i i was more the type who wanted a bunch of sparkly princess dresses so that i could go climb trees while wearing them that's practical i'm not sure it's much different from where i'm at as an adult um but you know whatever (laughs) so Uh, What I thought was interesting about that, though, and I'm going to go off the fucking rails. What I thought was interesting about that, I think with 
instructional stories for young girls, there is a tendency to either overperform femininity or set the expectation that girls are only acceptable if they are bucking femininity, right? Mm -hmm. And so what I saw happening in this story is like them setting an expectation that both things can be true and still be okay. So what I mean by that is that the social and power structures in colonial Los Angeles were obviously really rigid and didn't allow any room for deviation, especially for her being in like what was the equivalent of a middle class family. The only power that she holds in that social structure is to eventually grow up and marry well enough to survive. Right? Right. And when her mom is saying, I want you to be a housewife of note, what her mom is really saying is, I want you to be successful in this world. And this is the only pathway for you to do that. And that alone is not inherently evil. There is something to be said for the expectations of someone living within a power structure in a current period of time. And so what happens to Felicity is she's pushing back against her mom. She's not wanting to have these outrageous expectations. She thinks being a girl is stupid and all of the expectations on her are stupid. But then when her mom dies for three days, she has to take care of the whole household because she's now the only woman of the house apart from the slaves that they quietly gloss over, but definitely have. And so, you know, they spend a lot of time showing her being a very dutiful caretaker. So she's taking care of the three younger children. She's doing all the cooking and cleaning. She's doing all the laundry, blah, blah, blah. And her mom later tells her that, um, I can't remember what the exact line was, but it was something about how, you know, she took care of the whole household. And she said something like, Something about how she should be proud of that or that that was a good thing or whatever. And as much as you don't want to be boxed into social norms, like there is something to be said for being able to take care of your household and take care of your family, especially if that is the only place you hold in society. Like you want to do that well. Mm -hmm. So condensing that executive summary, what I saw them do was set up the social context that Felicity lives in set up her tension with that social structure, and then show her surviving successfully in a way that allows her to meet the expectations of that social structure and also sort of push back against it enough that she feels comfortable where she sits. You know, she still gets to ride her horse. She still gets to flounce about in the fields. She still gets to be friends with Ben. Like, she still ultimately seems to fit in comfortably to her social structures. Wow. Yeah. You went deep. I know. I know. So I had like, I won't go into this rant today because I just wasted so much of your time with the other one. Um, I wouldn't call it a waste. Okay, it wasn't a waste, but it was a lot at one time. But I did have this whole other train of thought that I started writing about in my notes about instructional texts for young children and how um, they set up the social structure that Felicity lives in as a way to show the constraints that she lives within and the social pressures that she's pushing against. Um, But what I was thinking about are the ways that even setting that up as being negative still acts as instructional for people consuming that text. So I don't know. I feel like it goes both ways. Like it's both empowering and both continuing to enforce the norms of like domesticating young girls. Interesting. So... (laughs) 
Are you going to go watch all the rest of the American Girl doll movies? (laughs) I had this moment where I kind of wanted to just for the sake of research. I was like, you know, I... I would write a paper about this if I were still in school. Why not? And then I went and did something else instead and forgot about it entirely. Um, I also will say that, so this movie was about an hour and a half, slightly, slightly over, but somewhere around there. Yeah. And the first 45 to 50 minutes, I was pretty engaged. And then at one point I opened the screen to see how much time was left thinking there was going to be about 10 minutes left. And there was 45 and I almost died. I had that same moment today. (laughs) I was going and it was great. And then it wasn't great anymore. Um, I will leave you with this quote. Because it's old timey and it's decent advice. Tis never a good thing to run towards something if you're running away from something else. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) She said ever so casually. (laughs) In colonial... Orlando. (laughs) Straight out of colonial Austin. Oh, wow. (laughs) So that was my experience with Felicity. Um, Do you have any other thoughts, Kelsey, as the person who actually owned Felicity and was, like, engaging with this content as a kid? I don't think so. I think you covered all of my thoughts. My biggest concern was costuming, so. (laughs) It's where I'm at. (laughs) Cool. Well, if any of you had any American Girl dolls or had any thoughts about Felicity, you know where to hit us. You can find us on that Twitter machine at HateWatch with us. Or uh, feel free to send us your thesis on feminism in the times of colonial Orlando using our email address, which is us at gmail.com. Also, please let us know if you are a primary Felicity because I've never met one and I have so many questions. That's true. I don't think I ever knew a Felicity. Mm-mm. I knew an Addie and a Molly. Yeah, I think I knew everyone except for hers. Interesting. So yeah, let us know about that. Tell us about yourself. Let us judge you. (laughs) We will respond with your Betch rating. (laughs) Perfect. All right. All right. Go for it, Kelsey. So I watched the movie for Kirstie's doll, Samantha. This was... Originally aired in 2004 on the WB. Oh my god, were they that recent? Yeah. No shit, I forgot to look at the year for Felicity, but Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that they were mid-2000s. Yeah, these were after my time as, as like, an American Girl fan, because I was, like, 15 when this came out. Yeah, yeah. Um, So it aired on the WB. This must have been, like, a swan song for the WB at this point. (laughs) So... Coming into this, my pre-movie thoughts, um, Samantha was always too stuck up for me, and I never really liked her, and I thought she was entitled, but I thought some of her outfits were okay, so often my Felicity doll (laughs) sometimes doubled as a Samantha doll. She definitely had the best clothes and the best furniture. Like, her vignettes were the best. Right. I did have a Samantha bed. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I had the matching nightgown, and that shit was so comfortable. Yeah, so Felicity was a time traveler, and she also lived in 1904, so it was great, really. Best of both worlds. Get you a girl that can do both. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> I was so wrong. 
recent movie also had that interesting opening technique where they would take a piece of art, loosely using the word art, <laughs> um, and transition it into the footage itself. Um, this movie takes place in what would, I guess, be Westchester County area. So they're just like Westchester people. Um, Samantha is very wealthy. Um, she has servants. She lives on the lake. It's in this giant Victorian mansion. It's very beautiful. She lives with her grandmother. And the second this movie started, I realized my number one beef with Samantha all over again was that she refers to her grandmother as Grand Mary. Oh, yeah. I hate that, just too. I actually... pisses me off. You know how you were just asking me if I read the books? Mm-hmm. I specifically remember skipping out on part of the books because of that. Right? Like, that's not your name, Grandma. That's not a grandmother name. It's not. It's unacceptable. So that was my biggest beef, and I was, like, instantly infuriated when I heard it again. I was like, no! <laughs> um, one thing that came to mind also immediately, because I was looking out for costumes, was... That they used to sell all these outfits for, like, eight-year-olds mm-hmm. for, like, $8 million a piece in the catalogs. Like, did they just pull from those for the costuming for this movie? Like, was it that cheap that they were like, you're, like, you're gonna wear this I, outfit? There were a couple of um, outfits, not, like, the gowns that she was wearing during the day, but definitely the ball gown, for Felicity, that is. Um, definitely the ball gown and, like, her nightgown with the big, like, bonnet cap. Mm-hmm. I definitely had that thought. Like, you were just wearing, like, clothes, like the apparel. Right. So that was just a fun side note. Um, they were, from what I could recall, they were very good at paying attention to detail. Like, mm-hmm. she had all the, uh, like, appropriate accessories for every outfit. So that made me happy. So She also had a really great hair bow, and that was another big reason why I liked her, like, oh, yeah. top five reasons. The bows were strong throughout. Yeah. Um, so the premise of this movie um, is that she's a rich brat from Westchester County. Um, she lives with her grandmother. She's an orphan. And she befriends the neighbor's servants. Quote from small servant is... I don't go to school. Workers work. And I wrote tough lessons for kids. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so this is 1904. There's a lot about um, how she befriends the servant. She teaches her how to read and write over the course of three months, which is just should be studied. Um, <laughs> a little questionable. So she is kind of like living her life. She's friends with this um, servant. And then her uncle and his fiance come to visit. She's very close to the uncle, and she doesn't want him to get married. Um, but he does. They're, she's in their wedding, and then they take her to New York City with them. She goes to school there, is living her life, and then she finds out that her servant friend's dad has died, and so she's in an orphanage in New York. So then shit goes just so off the walls and she comes up with the plan to release her friends from the orphanage and hide them in her attic at her uncle and aunt's house and then somehow at the end they all get adopted by the poor newlyweds who didn't ask for this shit (laughs) 
which <laughs> counter to the point that we made earlier about historical accuracy is definitely how that would have gone down. Yeah, so this was just like, I had so many questions. Um, there was a lot about child labor, which was interesting, like a lot more than I recalled. She like goes to a factory to um, find her friend, and there's like a kid whose hand gets cut off by one of the machines, and they're like, okay, call in the next one. <laughs> and they just kick him out. <laughs> like, that was interesting. Um, there's a lot of things about like, we don't discuss personal matters with servants, and like, don't talk to servants. So there's a lot of like class issues that come up. It's interesting. In terms of, like, setting the scene for, like, what time period it is, I know you talked about this earlier, mm-hmm. there would just be, like, kind of buffer scenes where they just say a lot of buzzwords, so they'd be like, <laughs> impressionism, suffrage, like, <laughs> it was bizarre. And they just buckle it all together so, like, you'd remind yourself where you were in time. For what it's worth, Grand Mary is not here for women's rights, so she fits right in in Trump's America. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? Oh, wedding dresses in 1904 were not cute, just so you know. I did learn that. It was tough in the New York City scenes because it was so, 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 so sadly low budget. Yeah, how did they do that? They didn't. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Like, was it a soundstage? Was it stock footage? Like, what'd they do? It was a soundstage. um, But what they did that was actually, like, clever and obnoxious at the same time was they... The one, like, prop that they used a lot was this... Do you remember those, like, Viewmaster things from the 90s that you'd put in, like, a reel into these binocular things and you yeah, can see, yeah, like... Yeah. So it's like yeah. that, but old. <laughs> and so they'd show her poor-ass servant friends sitting at home in Westchester County, and she'd send her postcards from New York. And so she'd look at it, and you'd see a drawing of New York, and then it would transition to them walking on what you presume to be a street in New York. <laughs> oh my god, that is clever. It was Just clever. Skip right around any establishing shots. Yeah. Um, my favorite, just like old timey for the sake of placing yourself in 1904 scene, <laughs> was when they explained what a shower is. And they ooh. were like, ooh, someone's getting a shower. And they were like, like a rain shower? <laughs> And they talked about how unpractical it would be to have a shower. So that was fun. Um, That's cute. Yeah. The the orphanage was also, I wrote down, called Cold Rock Orphanage. (laughs) Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. It was interesting. It was a holiday movie. And at an hour and 19, I wrote, just got to Christmas. So. (laughs) Well, okay. So that's interesting because Felicity's movie also had a section that was around Christmas. It wasn't like the whole, I mean, the whole movie took place over, I presume, a year. Yeah. It was her birthday some month in 19, or 19, 1775 to uh, later, like early 1776, like somewhere in there. Yeah. So it was the same I with mean, this. It was not that the entire movie is holiday, but that there was like a holiday book. And so that's like how they slipped that in. There were holiday books for all of them. So I'm not sure, but I think it must have just aired during the holidays. That's my guess. Oh, so they marketed okay. it as that. But gotcha. And that's how it like ended on like their Christmas surprise was that they all got adopted. So gotcha. that was interesting. Um, as a like weirdly concerning side note, one of the um, minor character servants was 
a mute after her mother had died. And they kind of gloss over it as they're like, yeah, she doesn't really talk. But she used to talk <laughs> in, her, in her sleep. Ha ha ha. And then... Oh, God. Uh, once they tell her that they're adopting her, she says her name. And I wrote, who knew all it takes is a little adoption to fix a mute? <laughs> <laughs> Like, it was just, that was rough. Uh, yeah, that's not, it's a very different times for, yeah. for handling emotional trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess, like, the main lessons from this are supposed to be, like, looking past classism and, like, being open to all kinds of people, because that was her, like, big shining thing that she did was befriend a servant, um... And then she stood up for her factory rights at one point. <laughs> it's interesting. Um, so that well, I forgot to. Sorry, I keep interrupting you. No, I forgot part. to uh, give the true moral lesson of Felicity's movie, like the the big lesson, um, which is it's interesting because I feel like it aligns with Samantha's lesson. So the way I wrote it was political divisiveness doesn't need to undo relationships or keep you from acts of kindness. Mm-hmm. And it is. Or, wow, it is a story for these, our modern times. It is. <laughs> oh, it is. Oh, yes. Um, so, yeah, it's just interesting that so much of Samantha's story is about acceptance and, like, standing up for the underdog and befriending people across whatever social boundaries there are. So I guess I wonder, like, if that is a common thread between all of the American girls. It wouldn't surprise me if it was. I don't remember all of them in detail, but it makes sense to me. This movie didn't make me like her anymore, though. Like, she was still a spoiled brat the whole time. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have too much to say about her besides that she still sucks. Well, I guess one thing I wanted to ask you, I definitely did not get as deep into the American Girl doll canon as you did. Um, And so even now you know more about Samantha than I did as a kid, so... My impression, though, is that Samantha herself was never meant to be portrayed as entitled and spoiled, and that she was meant to be positioned as, like, a victim of her social status, even though her social status was advantageous for her. So I guess, like, what say you to that? Like, is she actually portrayed as spoiled, or, like, do you think they were just trying to make it seem like this is the life she was born into and she was just ignorant? I mean, I think it was a mix. I think that was part of it. But then there was, like, a whole thing where she was mad because her uncle promised to take her on a vacation and he couldn't because he was getting married. (laughs) So she was, like, mad at him for that. She was, like, very... And she was mad at him for getting married and she was, like, sassy to his fiancé because she didn't like her. Um, And there's a lesson in there because she ends up doing something nice for her before her wedding and all that fun stuff. But... I think she's still kind of, like, entitled. I get where you're coming from, and I think there's something to be, to be said for her being, like, stuck in that life that she was born into. But I think they don't really sh- um, try that hard to make her not a brat, I guess. That's fair. So I will ask the same question of you that you asked of me, especially knowing that Samantha wasn't your doll and wasn't necessarily a story that you were attracted to what would your entry point have been as a child um i think for me it would have been 
the really questionable teaching this other kid to read. <laughs> Weirdly, because I was, like, into reading a lot. Mm-hmm. So I think I would have connected with, like, that storyline and, um, like, seeing her as, like, me teaching my, like, sister to read or something, like, mm-hmm. because there was, you know, she was there, I guess. <laughs> I was about to say that that was, like, way more empathy than I was expecting from you, but you saved yourself. (laughs) You recalibrated. I mean, I'm going back to me being, like, eight years old, too. (laughs) I wasn't so jaded then. That's super funny. It seems like, and maybe this is just your bias, but it seems to me that they did not sort of give Samantha the same... uh, like, latitude to be a perfect human that they gave to Felicity. No, and I also, I think that her story's less juicy, so I think they didn't have as much to work with. Um, Yeah. They tried to, like, give her some moments to be, like, um, the, like, whole factory thing I was talking about, where she has to, like, do a speech for school, and she decides to speak about conditions in factories. Yep. But, like, basically it's only in the realm of, like, her little circle, which I guess is fair, because she's ten or whatever, but, <laughs> like, once she saves her, or, like, breaks her friends out of the orphanage, like, that that's it for her. Like, she's not going to go, like, advocate for factories at that point. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like that is a criticism, like, just to derail again briefly, like, I feel like that's a criticism that's being levied against your average white liberal now. Right. You know, like, you sort of do your one good deed and then you dust your hands off and you're like, well, time to go back to my kale smoothie farm. Right. I think the suffrage, like, topic in this movie was weird, too, because, like, they bring it up for the sake of reminding you of the time period. And then they well, yeah, talk about... I was going to say suffrage wasn't even a thing until, like, the ni- until, like 1920, right? Yeah, you would think. But they, they looped it in there like that. Okay. <laughs> sure. Um... But they kind of, like, talk about it, and then she kind of is like, well, I don't know anything about my rights. And <laughs> they talk, like, over her head about it, and, and then she they're like, so are you are you going to want the right to vote? And she's like, well, I don't know. <laughs> Were they, like, trying to turn her into an activist in the story? Yeah, there was, like, a little under, like, subplot of that that didn't really make a lot of sense, and it wasn't very effective. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And then they were like, well, we're not advocating for the, like, requirement to vote, just for the option. And so that's how they tried to save it. And it was just... Okay. It was really weird. (laughs) So it sounds like that went about as well as any voter access conversation goes these days. Yes. (laughs) Oh, man. I thought American Girl would have tried a little harder to be like, yeah, I want rights. Which movie came first? I think this one did. This one did? Because the overall impression that I'm getting is that Felicity's movie was better. It's certainly possible. I'm wondering in terms of chronology if Samantha's movie was one of the first made by American Girl and that they got better at the craft of filmmaking. (laughs) (laughs) As it were. Oh, and and so Felicity's story was a little stronger. 
It's possible. I think, I mean, for me, the moment where I was like, is this over yet? I was 30 minutes in and I thought that I was never going to see the end of this movie. <laughs> yeah, right around the time that, uh, that Felicity discovers the drunk guy in jail, that's when they lost me. I was like, there's officially too many subplots and they all have like a moral lesson and I no longer know what the point is. Yeah, it was it was rough. <laughs> but also like, have you thought about the child labor laws they had to consider employing all these child actors? <laughs> <laughs> like why? Just well, why? I mean, I do rem- I do remember in like the 90s there was and like the early 2000s there being a lot of conversation around like child labor on film sets and movie sets. Right. Uh, TV sets is what I have to say. <laughs> Film and They're the same. the same. They're the same. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. Child labor. <laughs> um, and so, like, either either the production time for these movies was just long as shit, or, like, they were employing slave labor, and that was part of where these regulations got tightened over time. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Also, just a side note, um, Shalane, Shalane, is that how you say her name? Shalane Woodley? I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. I think it's Shalane. Anyway, the, the <laughs> chick who Shailene. was event- I think it's Shalane. Shalane? Yeah. Okay. I don't do names, guys. Um, so, her, she is, wow, Shalane Woodley <laughs> is Felicity. <laughs> this is all I wanted to say. <laughs> That's all I wanted. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't feel like her acting has really evolved much since her American Girl doll days. No. And in fairness to good old Shalane, my buddy, (laughs) (laughs) my buddy Shalane, the only other movie I've seen her in is Divergent, and I've only seen the first Divergent because... Um, it literally broke my diaphragm from the hours of laughter <laughs> during and after the film that I wasn't sure that I was in a physical condition to see any further films. <laughs> so. Oh. <laughs> Can we watch the last one together? Yeah, I think, well, I haven't seen the second one, so I advocate for any combination of that. <laughs> live show. Live show. Oh my god, that would be a really good live show. <laughs> Guys, let's start crowdfunding for that. Find us a venue and we will do it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm ready. Episode five and we can do it. <laughs> we can't do it. We can't even say our names. It took us five tries. <laughs> 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 oh, you guys miss out on some quality shit because of post-production, let me tell you. Let me tell you a thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Final thoughts. Final thoughts. Samantha's a bitch. Banana Bell gonna tap that colonial ass. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's my that's my executive summary. Wow. 
where to go from there. <laughs> well, Kelsey, you could go to Twitter. <laughs> where could I go on Twitter? You could go on Twitter at Hate Watch with us and, uh, you know, tell us what you think about colonial things. <laughs> or Victorian things. Yes. Yes. Or if you've ever broken orphans out of an orphanage and hid them in your <laughs> attic, reach out to us at hatewatchwithus at gmail.com. <laughs> you know, it just occurred to me today in the car, I was thinking about how I have such a hard time with the email address part. And it just occurred to me that it is actually grammatically correct to say email us at and then the email address. But I always get thrown off because I say it right after Twitter where your handle oh. starts with the at. Yeah. So then in my brain, it sounds like the address is at hatewatchwithus at gmail.com, and that's too many ats. You're overthinking this. <laughs> no, never. Not no. me. <laughs> okay. You don't know my life. <laughs> I think everyone here knows just about as much as they should about your life. Oh, no one knows my life. <laughs> okay. And if you want to know more about my life, Tune no. in next time. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.